Noting the length of today's gospel, I invite you to be seated for the reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning with the 22nd chapter. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until the fruit, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. And they began to ask one another, Which of them it could be who would do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you, just as my Father has conferred on me, a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, listen, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. He said to them, when I sent you out without a bag or a purse or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, no, not a thing. He said to them, but now the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. And indeed, what was written about me is being fulfilled. They said, look, Lord. Here are two swords. He replied, It is enough. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, 
and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. He touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. And they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. About an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. Now, if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. They, then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. And Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, 
from Galilee where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he himself was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who himself was in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. For he had been wanting to see him for a long time because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then they put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with one another. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence, and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. And they all shouted together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to crucify Jesus, again addressed them. Wanting to release Jesus, again addressed them, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. The days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. And they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is the skull, They crucified Jesus with the other criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, for he is the Messiah, his chosen one. Soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hanged there kept deriding him, saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the, others re- but the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, when the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. When all the crowds who had been gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, who, though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from a Jewish town of Arimathea and was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. They returned, prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day they rested, according to the commandment. The Gospel of the Lord. The children may come forward for a children's sermon. What do you think of that story? Long. long. It is very long. You are right. Yeah. Why Jesus die on the cross? Why Jesus die on the cross? That is an excellent question. I've got a question for you first. How many of you have friends or a friend or a brother or sister that you like a lot? Yeah, your friends. Very good. How many of you have ever had a friend that uh, you liked a whole lot, but all of a sudden didn't want to be your friend anymore? How did that make you feel? Sad, terrible. 
kind of weird, sometimes angry, right? Angry and like confused. Angry and confused. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying, yeah. I think, uh, I think it's very possible that Jesus felt some of those things too. At the beginning of the service, everything seemed happy, right? Mm-hmm. By this point in the service, everything kind of seemed quiet and weird and sad. Yeah. When we say, you know that big long thing we say every Sunday, it's called the Nicene Creed? We say one part where Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, or the dead. That suffered part, and that crucified part, and that died part, was kind of like losing a very close friend. Because Jesus had lived with these people, right? Jesus had walked with these people and ate with these people, and even some of them studied very, very closely with him. And at the end of it all, None of them are very close. So when we say Jesus suffered, it's not just that Jesus died. It's that he suffered. But I want you to know why. It's not just that... One minute. It's not just that... It's not just that Jesus wants us in heaven. That happens too. But primarily, Jesus always loves you. Always. No matter what. Even when we're not being a very good friend. Even when we're not being very good in our relationship with Jesus. Now at the end of it, he would rather suffer than turn on you. Turn on me. Turn on any of us. Now we all know what happens at Easter, right? Jesus rises and everything's good and Jesus welcomes us into that. But... On this day, as a church, we take a special moment to remember how passionately Jesus loves us. Even when we're not good. Especially when we're not good. Now, that can make you feel sad, weird, and all that kind of good stuff. But Jesus is with you in a variety of places and times and experiences. That's okay. I want you to know most fully that God loves you and that you are very much loved by this community of people here. All right. We're going to say a prayer. Is that okay? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your passion, for your love towards us. This week, as we remember these things, as we remember the cross, we ask that you would teach us a little bit more about how you love us, about how you always move towards us, and you never leave us. In your name we pray. Amen.
In the name of Jesus, amen. It's a weird day. It's a weird day. Just like we just said, we start the beginning of the day on a very high note. We start the beginning of the day in celebration, in a really great song, and an anthem that we sing every year, the palms, and it just, you gently sway to the polka-like music as, as everything, it seems wonderful. And then we read the Passion almost immediately, and it's jarring. It's jarring in a way that seems both intentional and irritating, to say the least. In the gospel that we have, there was a few days in between it. And as I, as I was growing up, we, we celebrated Palm Sunday, but we didn't do the passion side of it. We did Palm Sunday, and then we'd, we'd slowly move on to Monday, Thursday, where, where we'd, we would see the institution of that new commandment, and we would see the altar slowly stripped, and we move into Good Friday, where all of a sudden we see, at least I did, pictures of the crucifixion as artists had rendered them over time, and I would see the cross bent, I would see more and more blood, and I would see candles extinguished, and we'd move into that silence. But there was enough space there to at least make it bearable. On this day, it seems wrong. In the Gospel text, we have a little more space, at least as the story goes, after Jesus walks in, or rides in on the donkey, at least in Luke, we have a little bit of teaching, we have a little bit of healing, we have a little bit of conversation, we have a little bit of temple tossing, and, and then we have these events. But even so, give me jarring. I mentioned that part of the, that part of the Nicene Creed, and there's a part I want to focus on this week and a part I want to focus on Easter Sunday and the part to focus on this week is that mention of he suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended into hell or into the dead. And a lot of times, just like we said, we, we skim over that. I mean, we know it as a mathematical equation almost. We know it kind of is something we memorize as we can just kind of plug and chug Christ's life for ours. Now we're good. Now we're saved and we're okay. And, and we ask very honestly the question of what, we, what do we do now? What now? What after the resurrection? What after the sanctification? What after the consecration? And in the midst of all these things, these are good questions to ask, but at the same time, the suffering lacks depth. And as a church, we have found it good in an odd way in the same way this Friday is good to look at that suffering once more. And not in a way that shames us to omit our compliance. It's not just that Jesus had a good day and then a bad day. It's that Jesus bore himself and bore his calling his baptismal calling he got way back when we celebrated it in January. His baptismal calling that he got to be a person for the people. He bore the name Jesus. 
He saves. He bore the name Emmanuel, God with us. He was created. He was begotten to be for the people. And when you spend your whole life being for the people, when you spend your whole life working and teaching and preaching and eating and healing for the people, when they are the ones that take you and grab you and say no to your life, all of a sudden, these, these people that you have invested your life in completely give up everything you've been doing, completely give up everything you've been teaching and preaching and healing. All of a sudden, you're surrounded by sickness and disease of many social and physical types. The suffering of Christ, something important to pay attention to. I don't believe that this suffering ever ends. That while, yes, Jesus is resurrected, and while, yes, there is an Easter Sunday, and there is always an Easter Sunday, that just like we have sung and spoken over time, we too are complicit and compliant in Jesus' suffering. How many times has Jesus been broken for us on Sunday and we deny him on Monday? How many times has Jesus poured out blood and broken bones for us only to have us go out and be unchanged in the days and weeks to come? How many times have we seen a baptism and remembered our own, but in the shower as the water falls on us and had the words spoken to us in the midst of all those things, life doesn't change, suffering doesn't change, there's sickness and disease that swell in our communities, and the suffering of Christ continues. It's not just about having a good day than a bad day. It's about the way that the body of Christ still lives and breathes in this world and is still handed over to Pontius Pilate and is still shouted at crucifixion and still is dead and buried in so many ways. Now I've been told, and I do my best, on Palm and Passion Sunday, to preach right up to the point of gospel to hesitate and to let us soak in the text. I will preach resurrection next Sunday. I will preach the mandate every Sunday. I will preach the good cross every Sunday. But for now, and for us, there is suffering. I pray in this holy week that the suffering of our lives as well does not overwhelm, that we re always remember there is a resurrection, Easter, and hope. That this suffering does not break you, that sweat like great drops of blood does not take you, that we do truly remember a God who is willing to be passion for us. To be Emmanuel so much that he'd rather die than not. God be with you in this 
weird, sad, awesome mystery. Amen.